Thank you so much, Clio and Melanie. Let us pray together. <clears throat> Dear God, we're so grateful that your spirit comes to help us in our weakness. And we pray for your spirit's help today so that we might see as you see and so that we might love as you love, and so that we might experience a fuller communion with you here this morning and with each other. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. So these past six weeks, we have been grappling with a crucial and, I believe, very important question. How does a weary world, how do weary people like ourselves rejoice? I mean, my goodness, in the face of daily carnage in Gaza, in the face of our, climate, our planet's climate crisis, in the face of an insurrection and deep polarization in our nation, and in the face of gun violence just down the street this past week, how can we even dare to think about or to talk about rejoicing and celebrating the incarnation? God's coming to be with us in Jesus. Is it even permissible for us to think about joy? But Sunday by Sunday here, and I've been so grateful for this series, just personally, it's really ministered to the place where I feel these days, We've been learning that opening ourselves to God's joy is absolutely crucial to our resilience. God knows we need resilience these days. And is absolutely crucial to our resistance, our fierce resistance to the cruelty and the injustice that often seem to be flooding our world. Amen? Joy is God's upward spiral, God's antidote to all of our downward spirals of hopelessness and despair. And so Sunday by Sunday, we've been learning how we need to keep opening ourselves to God's infusions of joy, even when we feel weary and hopeless. In fact, especially, especially when we're feeling that way. Opening ourselves to the joy of worship, to the joy of connection with each other, the joy of singing, 
the joy of beauty, the joy of prayer, the joy of wonder and awe. And today, we want especially to open ourselves to the joy of knowing ourselves to be infinitely loved and cherished by God. We want trusting our belovedness and everyone else's belovedness to be our core identity for this, for us to know that this is who we really are. So these past six weeks, we've been following the wonderfully intertwined stories of John the Baptist and Jesus. First, through the stories of their amazing mothers. Wow, what amazing women, Elizabeth and Mary. And then we've been following their stories through their births. And now, 30 years later, we're meeting up with John and Jesus as adults. And in our gospel story today, all of Jerusalem has been flocking out to the Jordan River to hear the fiery preaching of John the Baptist. And today we find ourselves standing along the banks of the Jordan River with all of the crowds. I always love to imagine the sunlight reflecting off the surface of the water and dancing and dappling in our faces and on our bodies. Do you see the light? And because of John's preaching, people are cut to the heart. They're weeping about all the ways that they've become separated from God and each other. We've been created for communion, but instead we live with this illusion of separateness from God and each other. And one by one today, we can see the people jumping into the river and wading over to be baptized by John. And suddenly we hear a loud splash. <laughs> and we see Jesus heading over in the water to be baptized by John. Jesus, he is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He is our stand-in, our prototype. He has come to show and to restore in us what it means to really be human. He's come to enter into every nook and cranny of our lives as human beings so that we might fully enter into the beautiful life of God, God's justice and joy and love. 
And so because of this, Jesus insists on being baptized himself today by John. Baptism, this outer symbol of our inner turning to God. This outer symbol of our inner turning and returning to God. As I've been preaching, I see all of you. Your eyes are riveted on a much better subject than me. (laughs) The artist Lauren Wright Pittman shows Jesus at that freeze frame moment when he's fully submerged underwater at his baptism. That's what's happening here. As in a womb, he is completely upheld and embraced by the water. Do you see the swirl of the current lifting him up? Two fish circle around his head. The current holds him up and all of creation enfolds him. This is what trusting your belovedness looks like, feels like, she says, the artist says. It feels like serenity. It feels like weightlessness. It feels like the warmth of God's love permeating every cell of your body, every nook and cranny of your soul. This is what trusting our belovedness looks like. And in our story now, Luke shares a crucial detail that none of the other Gospels mention in the story of Jesus' baptism. Verse 21, while Jesus is still dripping wet, Jesus is suddenly drawn into prayer. You know, I had to mention that. And I imagine Jesus not jabbering to God, but instead drawn into a holy hush a deep silence, a prayerful communion with God. And in this prayerful silence, the Spirit suddenly descends upon Jesus and a voice from heaven now says to him so tenderly, You are my son, my child, the beloved one. In you... I am so well pleased. God comes to wrap Jesus with joy and loving care. And friends, what we are glimpsing here in this scene is an exquisite communion unfolding within the life of God. 
The Spirit descending, the Creator affirming and blessing, and the Son receiving. And as I love to say every time I preach about this, the good news here is not that we're just meant to be dry bystanders, mere eyewitnesses on the banks of the Jordan, but we too are invited to dive into this communion within the life of God. As it says in 2 Peter 1.4, we are invited to become participants in the life and the love of God, circling between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, on and on in relationship. We too are invited to hear God saying to us, you are the beloved child of God. Can we dare to believe that? You are the beloved child of God. How about if we stand up and just turn to those around us and say those words, you are the beloved child of God. <laughs> you are. Friends, as we heard today, didn't that feel wonderful? <laughs> Let's never grow weary of saying those words to one another. Amen? So as we heard today in Genesis, in the words that Clio read so beautifully, we heard that what is deepest in us and in every person we meet is the image of God, our core belovedness. All of us deep down are mysteriously saturated with divinity. St. John of the Cross takes this even further. He says, at the soul's center is God.
And though our brokenness and our sin often obscure God's image in each of us, it can never be erased. The image of God that we each bear is our core identity. It is who we really are. And there is no greater joy in life than uncovering God's image within ourselves, discovering God's image within ourselves. And there is no greater joy than in uncovering God's image in other people. In fact, to see God's image in another person, that annoying coworker, that difficult neighbor, the relative with whom we are in conflict, to see God's image still in them, the most precious thing we gift we can ever give to another person. And friends, what happens when we finally begin to see ourselves and each other as God sees us? It all leads to communion with God, with each other, with our own deepest selves. And this communion is the precious gift to which our Lord Jesus is inviting us to receive and to experience here at his table today. Amen.